Hi there. Welcome to the Culture of Life podcast from Human Life International. I'm Tad Wojcik, the Mission Research, Mission Research Specialist, and this is Father Shannon Bouquet, our president. Oh, good, Tad, to be with you one more time. Yes, absolutely, Father. Uh, it's a wonderful day. Today we're talking about um, an article you wrote recently about um, a, a bill passed in Florida that has to do with sexual education. Maybe, Father, you can start with just giving us a little uh, brief idea of what that bill addresses and sure. and and where it's uh, kind of what side of the aisle it lies on. Okay. Yeah. You know, Ted, I mean, as our audience would be familiar, you know, there's so many things happening in our culture today that uh, that are just making the headlines. And one of the subjects that's happening is, you know, the uh, influence of school districts, school systems uh, upon our children. And what's uh, coming to, to the surface really is that many parents are not being made aware of what's being actually taught in the school or questions that are being posed to their children. And here we're not just speaking about, you know, adolescents and young adults. We're getting all the way down to kids in kindergarten where, you know, they're being asked about sexual orientation, about uh, being introduced to to gender theory. And and so what happened in Florida, like in many states, is this has kind of escalated to the point where now, you know, state representatives and senators and obviously the governor in uh, Florida have been, you know, raising questions and wanting to see legislation passed that would protect children and protect the rights of parents to know what is being, you know, taught to their children, what's being posed to their children in these systems. And so Representative Harding, uh, state representative in Florida, is the one that uh, authored the bill and uh, and then advanced that bill uh, in Florida and uh, pushed forward where Basically, if I may just wrap it into a simple way of explaining it, where, you know, from kindergarten age to three year, uh, to third grade, that the school, if it's going to introduce something or talk about a subject or, uh, you know, want to pose a question about a particular issue concerning, you know, orienta- sexual orientation or gender theory uh, issues, that it has to be with the permission of the parents. And so basically what it's done is it's put the onus back on the primary educator of a child, and that is a mother and father. And what the state is doing is is really protecting those parental rights, and ultimately, and, and rightly so, also protecting our youth. Because as we will see, for those that may have a chance to read the column, uh, which I, I want to make a little pause there and just kind of let people know that as you read the column, it's quite graphic in a sense of what, what I'm explaining. Uh, I'm quoting various uh, you know uh, statements and uh, mentioning things that are very uh, you know, very uh, detailed, and I want parents to be aware of this, and our adults and those uh, who are reading the column to be aware of it. And so, uh, and I would say that if we do happen to mention something, you know, here in our podcast, uh, you know, please be aware of it. Just kind of be on guard. We're going to try to steer clear of that uh, graphic detail that was in the article itself, but right. just just, so just in case folks are aware. That's right. And so, so here, what they've done now is they they're, they're it's recognizing the importance of protecting our youth. And, and so now, of course, from my perspective, and I know from many others who are really concerned about parental rights and also the rights of children and the innocence of our children and protecting that innocence, that I would love to see this conversation advance, not just stop at third grade. It needs to be pushed further in. And as the column will make note of, there are many uh, uh, groups, entities that are promoting, you know, sex education camps and, you know, a way of uh, kind of indoctrinating young people into this conversation that gets further in age. So as we say this, you know, I want parents just to, who are listening and, you know, who may go in to read the article, just to be aware. That's the whole purpose, Tad, why 
You know, I address a lot of these issues. Uh, sometimes it's hard to read them. Sometimes it's hard to research them. It's very hard to watch, uh, you know, some videos about these situations. And as I'm pinning, you know, the columns, you know, I'm very mindful that the whole purpose really is, you know, with the title is Spirit in Life. It's to exp- talk about, you know, what it means to live a life in Christ, a, a culture of life, uh, and to keep that spirit alive in us. And, but to, to recognize that in order to, to promote that, we also have to, at times, know what's working against us. And this is an example. So uh, I'm very grateful, you know, to uh, Representative uh, Harding, you know, for pushing this. I'm very grateful to the senators and the representatives of Florida and the governor uh, who uh, is uh, pledged to sign this into law. So if that happens, of course, we'll see the challenges, but the challenges will actually expose the agenda. You know, because the question really has to come is why do these entities feel like they have a right to bring this to bear to our young people? What is the purpose of this? You know, when so many young people, uh, especially at those age brackets, you know, are just learning how to get themselves dressed, comb their hair, brush their teeth, they're innocent, you know, and yet we want to introduce them into some very detailed uh, agendas that many adults have a very difficult time dealing with themselves. And, and so what's the purpose of that? And, and that question did come out. Obviously, it was not uh, the primary focus, but you know, I'm hoping that as this conversation grows and as people become more aware, that these kinds of questions will come out. You know, what is this about? You know, and we know that there are people with very devious uh, agendas out there that have a very uh, way of trying to infiltrating, uh, exploiting young people to introduce them into different uh, lifestyles and to exploit them. And we can't ignore that. And, and I'm not saying that that's the primary agenda in, in these schools or, or systems, but they're out there and we, we can't ignore it. And, and I think it's a great bill hopefully to be law very shortly, that will protect young people in the state of, uh, of Florida. And of course, what I'm hopeful is that other states will see the courage of the state of Florida and say, we need to do the same thing. And that, so that's kind of the background. That's where it kind of stands right now. As far as I know, as of today of our podcast, I am not uh, certain if the governor has already signed it into law or he's set a date for it. But um, I would say to, you know, people listening, all you got to do is go to their local website, you know, and just follow that news. Right now, as of today uh, of this podcast, I don't know it being signed into law, but it is going to be signed. The governor has already promised to do so. So, uh, so I know it will happen. That's a great victory in the state of Florida then. And, and as you said, hopefully other states follow suit. Um, with that in mind, Father, and like we said, we're not going to delve into the details of what that bill was was fighting against or some right. of the other things you mentioned in the article. But um, even so, what kinds of things, generally speaking, should parents be aware of? Sure. Um, with, you mentioned summer camps, which are a separate issue than, than what's going on in classrooms Correct. themselves. And also, um, then after that, we can talk about what what parents can do. Sure, yeah, yeah. Spring uh, break camps going, and you know, example, it's not just Florida. So in the article, I make note of some examples in the uh, state of Texas, Austin, for example, which has been canceled since all this has come out into the light. But uh, there are many states uh, that uh, unfortunately have these kinds of events that are going. But let's kind of back up, Tad, because you know, for those of us involved in the life and family uh, movement of promoting the dignity of life. And, and family, that we're not unfamiliar with those who are pushing an agenda through what they we call sex education. And, you know, in the article, I make note of a document from the church, from the Vatican, that speaks about this as a congregation for education. 
And what it's dealing with is, you know, what is the true meaning of human sexuality? So the church has always had a voice in this. She still has a very strong voice, an advocate, you know, for the goods of, of, of the beauty of human sexuality and the good of the human person. Uh, and so what the document really brings to the surface are the rights of parents, you know, as the primary educators. But what we have seen in this movement throughout the decades is those who are pushing these agendas, which are, are kind of the fruit of the sexual revolution, if I may kind of give it a, a marker, is to advance their cause. And the more people that you can introduce into this uh, conversation, the narrative, you know, where things are basically, you're free to do whatever you wish, you know, uh, exercise your freedom, you know, gratification, pleasure, you know, all the things that kind of feed, you know, that kind of individualism, this autonomy, I can do what I want to do. And, 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 you know, and so this is what's happening. And so as a result, what we see are, you know, various ways to advance that cause. And one of the ways to do that is through sex education programs, where it's the first kind of stake put in the ground where they can now begin to talk about these things. And what we've seen is that once you start introducing this, and you start uh, especially giving a false understanding of human sexuality, a false understanding of the human person, then basically these falsifications move forward. So this is where we've seen, for example, you know, the whole movement of uh, the legalization of contraception, you know, which in our country, you know, occurred, followed by eventually the legalization through the Supreme Court of uh, abortion. We would see how it migrates far, further in time into other, you know, uh, uh, what we call, you know, actions against human dignity and, and, and human sexuality. So we've seen this, and I've seen it in other countries where you have, for example, in Africa, where in most of those countries where people, you know, first of all, what we're talking about, Tad, in a way would not be something done in public. You know, and, 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 and it's understandable. I mean, there's a difference in our age between you and myself. Uh, and so my upbringing, you know, was very clear. You know, the uh, language, the words you would use. Uh, I mean, these things were, were taught to us. You know, you don't bring these kinds of subjects up in public. You don't discuss these things in public. And, you know, and there was a way of living, a virtuous life that was really promoted to us. You know, purity, chastity, you know, that, that uh, the sexual relationship between a man and a woman is restricted to a husband and wife. It had, and, and so we were taught this. We were, this was taught by our parents, our grandparents, and, uh, you know, by extended family. And so these were things that were part of our culture that were being advanced. And even within the culture itself, in civil society, I mean, these are things, for example, if you had some of these kinds of things happening 30 years ago in the school system, and there's no doubt you had moments, but that had been handled immediately. It would never have been allowed, you know, to be advanced. Whereas today, it's it, they almost in a way are rewarded for what they're doing. They're protected. Right. And you're talking about the sexual education as a means of, of right. kind of pushing these agendas because you got to get them while they're young, right? Right. Uh, that's been going on for decades, but I don't. I think what we're trying to address here, and you, you're interested in here, Father, is that this stuff is worse than oh, absolutely. even parents would have been aware of like right. ten years ago. But but the thing, like with even that, when I was young, exactly. it's, it's even worse. Exactly. Far I mean, worse what's now. happening, Tad? Though, is that it's, uh, I guess what I'm trying to get to too is is the fact that there's been uh, people have been desensitized. Mm -hmm. And that is also part of this. So if we go back now, you know, to the fact of what's being on, what's on TV, what's in the media, what's in the movies, what do people read, 
you know, what's happening within newspapers, magazines, you know, the, uh, the billboards, you know, now today, of course, what's on the internet, what's on the radio, you know, so many ways in which there is this gradual eroding of our sensitivities. An example I would bring up is, you know, I travel, as our audience would know, quite a bit on mission for HLI. Uh, and so I'm on airplanes quite a bit. And, you know, I'm always amazed, you know, and, and very, very saddened when I hear people using vulgarities. And they're using it as if it was just, you know, talking about a flower, talking about, you know, a cup of tea, you know, and yet it's vulgar, it's, it's repulsive, and they're loud, and, and, they, and they seem not to even care about other people listening to this repulsive language. And no one corrects them. I mean, I've done it a few times. I've kind of turned around and looked at someone and, you know, and, and asked them, would you please? And, you know, people get very, in, in, you know, very upset because, you know, who are you, you know, to, to ask me not to speak the way I want to speak. But that's also an example of being desensitized, that the lack of respect for self, the respect that is owed to other human beings, and the very fact that there is a language that should not be discussed. It should not be mentioned. Not be, and here, this is because it's vulgar. It's inappropriate. It's, it's, it's unbecoming of a human person. And so, but that's happened in so many ways, which has led us to the current crisis that we're in. So it's not something that's happened overnight, Ted. You know, we've talked about this in other podcasts, and, you know, I've written on this quite a bit. And, and so we, as we become desensitized, we then begin to normalize. And this is what's going on in our culture. We, we're actually not only normalizing it, we're celebrating it. And, and this is the danger that now our young people are now being thrust into this world and, and having to deal with. And sadly, we're, we're pushing them in ways that, should, one, are wrong, two, is not healthy for any society. And we can't grow as a society. We can't flourish as a society, you know, uh, based on these falsifications. And they all have consequences. And, you know, and we're starting to see those. We, we see it with the contraceptive mentality. We see it with abortion mentality. We're seeing a rise where euthanasia, physician-assisted suicide. I mean, a gambit of issues that are coming forth because of the gradual eroding of those sensitivities. And so I see this in the mission world. I see it in the developing world. And, and it's really of concern. And, and so this question that, you know, how did it start? Where did it start? I mean, of course, even, even dating it, quote, to the age of the sex revolution is not accurate either. You've got to even go further back. You know, the whole modernist movement and, and, and so many other aspects that affected all of this going forward. But it's intentional. It's a very intentional movement. Right. In some ways, the course of the 20th century is the, the history of the breakdown of morality in Correct. society. Well, even the family, Tad. I mean, when I mention the word family, you know, uh, and our, our audience and, you know, people who are following the pro-life and, and, and active in the pro-life movement, when I mention the word family, it means something. It has a very definitive, very clear definition, and it's explainable. But if I, if I were, this were a, uh, a radio program in, on a secular media, and we happen to be discussing this, it might not be received that way because people now have different definitions of family. And this is, again, what our children are being introduced to in the schools, in their textbooks, and in, uh, in other ways that the, the school systems are doing indoctrination. And, and this is the danger that I wanted parents you know, to be aware of. And what the bill does in Florida, back to Florida for a moment, is it places the decision-making back to the mother and father. Now, from my perspective, you know, we all know, we, as we're talking, the breakdown of the family you know, is also, you know, an issue that we have to deal with. And that is 
So we need. So many of these young people are coming from broken homes. They're coming from single-family homes. They're coming from many different environments. And parents may not think that there's anything wrong with that. So for me, as a pastor, you know, as a priest, is to really peel that back and say, okay, it's, I need now to also get to the families. We have to get to the moms and the dads. We have to get to the parents as well and to reform them and re-educate them or help them to understand why some of these things, especially these things, all of these things are very bad. But how we resensitize people, you know, so it's not just the bill. It's, that's just one step. It's a very good step. It's a very important step. But what else comes with that? And, and that's, again, why I like to talk about these things, because we have to really get underneath because what we're talking about, Ted, ultimately, and what I bring up in the article, are symptoms. They're the, they're, they're, they're the symptoms of something underneath it. And that's and I, what we got to keep bringing up. Right, and I think what you're saying is perhaps that uh, it's... it's Because it's not like this is the first generation that's being corrupted. It's, it's actually the last, maybe. It's like the third or fourth mm-hmm. in, a, in generation um, in a series of over the decades that right. has really we're kind of at the the end game stage maybe right. you could say of that um so in that respect father um as you said families are the key having uh parent well-formed parents form their children well right, right? um but in that in that sense at least for parents who already have a good idea of what what needs to be um, what kind of values need to be inculcated? Right. What can they do? Sure. What can they be protecting against with respect to the internet and, and okay. TV? Why don't, why don't we maybe look at two different groups for a moment? Mm. And I'll come back to this. Sure. But let me start with you know kind of the first one, and that is you know when we consider as we have been so desensitized, so that our culture has lost you know this this ear, and the and the sense of discerning, you know what is really good. From what is not good, and we have a, a problem today that you know where evil is seen to be good and good is seen to be evil. So basically, what we're talking about right now the dignity of of the person, the dignity of marriage, the the union of a husband and a man and woman in the in the sacrament of marriage. This is not the the narrative. This is not what we would see in the common language, sadly, within a secular culture. And so we would be deemed, you know, very uh, hateful, uh, maybe even labeled, you know, discriminatory, you know. Uh, but these are this is the thing where we have to pull, really not be afraid. And that's the first thing. For me, as a, again, as a pastor, as a leader of a pro-life organization, you know, is what can I do to really advance the truth about the human person, the truth about marriage, the truth about family. You know, we believe that the family is the is the fundamental cell of our society, and it's based on marriage. It's built on marriage and the nature of marriage. So if people don't understand the nature of marriage, and let's peel it back more, if they don't understand the nature of man and the nature of woman, the human person, then how will they understand what is the nature of marriage? And if we don't know that, then we can see why we're having issues in the family today. And then if we say like John Paul, where you know society flows through the family, well, if society is so wounded, well, that means the family's wounded. Something else is, you know, that we need to talk about. And so from my perspective, you know, and many others, you know, who share this great cause, is we really need to to address that issue. We, you know, the article doesn't really get into that. But this is what allows the podcast to do it, because it allows us to talk about something that really is understood in the writing. How did we get here? 
what is, why are we dealing with this? Why is this growing? Why is this agenda happening? And so as we kind of just spoke a little bit about, so I would say that, you know, to those who are listening who are actually, and we're all leaders in our own way, depending on what our uh, involvement is, level of responsibility, but as parents, you're leaders. As a, as a priest and pastor, you know, called to, to shepherd God's people, I'm a leader. You're a leader, Tad, by virtue of being in this podcast because we're, we are, you know, giving guidance. We're speaking. So it means that we have to see that we have to, to exercise that responsibility and try to advance ways to, to change the conversation. And so the way we do that and what God instituted, which is something so important, is the family. I mean, this is where what John Paul said is so, so key that to have a flourishing society and a healthy society it really starts in a healthy family, in a healthy family structure. So for all of us, you know, that we really need to ask ourselves, what are we doing to support family life? What are we doing to, to help married couples understand the beauty and wonder of married life? What are we doing to accompany families? You know, Pope Francis talks about this so often today, this word accompaniment. And, you know, the secular world picks it up one way. But, you know, the Holy Father has been very clear what that means. How do we accompany? What are we doing to assist? So to, for me, that's one side of the equation. And now to your to your point and to your question. Now let's look at you know at the other side where we have moms and dads, husbands and wives, parents who are really putting the yeoman's effort in. They're working hard. You know they understand. They they share these core values. They they are living the life that Christ and God wants them to live in their marital life, in their family life. But yet here we are. You know, they, they send their children, you know, to, uh, and we should be clear, sometimes even our, our Christian schools, our Catholic schools, our like our public schools are infiltrated by some of this stuff. So it's not just aiming ourselves at the secular system. We have to look at the, the whole package. So as a parent, the first thing, what I would say, Tad, is to be aware. You know, it's, it's to do your homework, to be really diligent in knowing what the school that you're you're placing your child into what is happening there, you know, and, and to understand it and to find out what their values are, especially if, obviously, if it's a private system, that's much easier to, 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 to garner. But if it's in the public system, you're going to have to talk to other parents. You have to find out what do others say, you know, has anything happened that I need to be aware of? In other words, do the homework. Maybe it requires going to a school board meeting. Now, I will tell you, they're not the most fun in the world, especially in the secular environment. They, environment there's so much happening. But it could be a way to listen, you know, what's being, what's being advanced, you know, read the handbook. I mean, it's a, you know, I think people forget, you know, that each school has a school handbook. You might find out in that handbook, there are some things in there that you didn't know about. So it's just do your homework, get to know the school environment. And I would say the second thing with that, Ted, and I know today it's hard for parents, especially coming from homes where maybe both parents are working. Is but if there is a chance, get involved in the school, volunteer your time. It's another way to really one show your presence. Two is to find out from your own personal experience being on that campus and what's happening on that campus. But it also gives you a chance to contribute, to advance a good. Because many times, what happens is there's a small contingency that takes over in some of these conversations, and they're given free reign because no one else stands up. And so the way to, to counteract this is for, for parents, good parents, caring parents, grandparents, you know, and godmothers, godfathers, we can hold litany, 
get involved. Be involved in the school. So those are some practical ways. The second, the third thing I would say, Ted, which is what the, what the Vatican document talks about, and that is talk to your children. You know, it's interesting, you know, having been in education uh, almost my uh, full 30 years of priestly life, is I'm always amazed, you know, especially with working with young people, young children, young adults, especially young adults, what they don't know. And there's an assumption made that they understand all these things. And it, what I'm talking here about is human sexuality. You know, the, the whole gambit of conversation that comes underneath that umbrella of that term. And so, but they don't. They, they, they learn mostly from what they read, what they see. And in today's everything immediately gratifying internet is there. They're being taught by, you know, by many, many different uh, teachers. And many of them are wrong. And so, so the parent needs to engage, and only a parent knows where a child is in their maturity and when to start such a conversation. But it should be the parent that makes that decision, not a third party, not someone else. So that means a parent, you know, and I've been, I've been approached by parents throughout these many years, Father, how do I talk about this with my child? How do I deal with that? And most of the time, Tad, it's after something has happened. And, and it's unfortunate because there, maybe they could have mitigated that situation if they had intervened long before. But what happens is, again, you know, we can have a very good environment. Moms and dads can be doing great work with their children in their home environment. But when the children get into other homes, other families, they interact with other children, these things are going to happen. They're going to hear words. What does that word mean? And, you know, and, and so this is where the parents really have to talk to their children and begin to assess, when do we start talking about this? And I've always said, I remember this so beautifully from an, uh, an Italian uh, family that I got to know up in New York many years ago, and, uh, and both mom and dad, their mom, that these couples now pass from our world. And, but they, they, they so loved each other, Tad, that you could, you could feel it in a room. You, you knew it. And, and just the way that he treated her, even in old age, there was no doubt in anyone's mind how affectionate they were toward each other. It was clear. And the kids said, we grew up with that. We saw it every day. And, and it was, and so and with, um, why I bring this up is that the kids will say, now all adults, all parents themselves said that we were taught about the beauty of human sexuality from the love of our mom and dad, the way that they loved each other, the way they were passionate toward each other in a sense of their affection, their care, their tenderness, all of that is part of this conversation. And what happens is, is parents, you know, are afraid to talk and, and afraid to talk about something that is so beautiful, which is God's gift. But it has a purpose and it has a direction. And, and that's the part we're afraid to talk about. It's all, and, and again, if I go back, Tad, what we talked about a little earlier is you brought it up. And that is, I mean, my generation and the generation before me and so forth is that the culture really surrounded that kind of understanding in other words, you know, there was a protective voice, a kind of a shield, you know, that the culture also supported, you know, but that, you know, is eroded today. So our young people are being thrust into this environment. So the assumptions for myself and my age to assume, you know, that all these, this protective shield would be a wrong assumption. It's a very dangerous assumption. And I think parents, unfortunately, unintentionally, have taken that approach. And, and so this is the part we have to really, really get into. And I, I think, again, back to parishes, back to, you know, our, our faith communities, we need to help parents because sometimes parents just don't know how to, how to talk about the subject. 
you know. And in some cases, you know, some parents might be struggling themselves in different things. And this is a way to help them to overcome their own personal struggles in order to be good parents toward their children. And and so, but that's really the issue. I mean, I've, I've, I I've don't uh, speak about them, but I mean, I've heard kids come into a confessional, even young adolescents confess something. They're using terms and I'm going, okay, tell them, tell, and, I, and I have to keep it very simple and not to be, uh, in a sense, to embarrass, but they're using a word that they have no earthly idea that they're saying they did, and I know they didn't do. And so, you know, so, so for example, if a, a little kid comes in, and, I, I, and I'll use an example, this is probably a third grader, a second grader, you know, comes in and says he committed the sin of adultery. And so, with the, you know, obviously I'm behind a screen, they can't see me, I can't see them, but I'm just kind of, you know, trying not to, to chuckle in my, on my voice, because I'm thinking, what do you mean by the word? So, of course I have to ask, because for the kid, it, it, it's something important. They, they think they've done something wrong. Well, tell Father what you mean. And of course, as they're talking, I can help educate. I can say, well, that's not what that word means, but we'll save that for another day. But the idea is, so many people don't know. And, and, and let's be honest, Tad, today, parents have a hard time. That's why I go back to the church, helping parents. How do I address gender theory today? How do I address the whole issue that we see in the same-sex movement today? How do I address? And there are a lot of questions. So this is where, you know, the whole podcast, the articles, um, the church needs to really step in. And I think for parents, if I can offer, is don't be afraid to ask. You know, talk to your pastor. Talk to your parish priest. You know, talk, you know, to people that, you know, that, that share your values and, and be able to ask those kinds of questions. How do I talk to my young adolescent son, my young adolescent daughter, who's now physically changing? Life is now, you know, they're moving toward adulthood. What's happening to them, to their bodies, to their, to their minds, to their, to their way of understanding? We're going to leave them outside to the secular world or are we going to help them? And that's, that's the part, you know, that it's so important. And that's why, that's why I want to encourage parents, you know, this is not something where I'm not fussing by any means, just really expressing a good, there's something beautiful at work here that parents have a beautiful opportunity to foster. And that's what we have to encourage, but they need help. They need support. And that's, so that's some things. And then I think one fourth thing, Tad, that I would mention would be basically is also within the home, not to be afraid you know, to answer questions, but with that also to, to pray as a family, you know, to not pray about these issues. Yes, it's okay to talk about, you know, those issues and bring in the prayer, but what I'm talking about is really building a, a community within the home that fosters uh, God. God is the heart of the home. God is the spirit of the home, and that, you know, that the home itself is a home of virtue. So for parents, guard what your TV, what's on TV, Make sure what the kids have access to on the internet. You know, put up the safeguards, put up the blocks. You know, I think you and I were talking earlier. It might even be it's a little radical, but you can get rid of the phone. I, I people think think that the, the phone is an extra arm today, and you know, and uh, it has a, it's a great tool. The, the uh, obviously the computer, the internet are tools. Uh, that we can use for good things, and we do. We're doing a podcast right now. Yeah, don't right stop now. watching the HLI podcast. So, but, but at the same time, we, we want to be able to, to, to turn things down and to also be able to you know, keep the wolf outside, the, uh, not inside the house. So absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, uh, but these are the things that take courage, you know, to say no you know, to something like a phone, you know, to limit exposure to certain TV. I mean, I know parents that, you know, that basically the TV is, is, is only, it's a family event. 
It's not something just, it's not in every room. But each parent has to make those decisions that are for the good of their family. But we, we shouldn't be afraid of making those necessary changes. And at the same time, we're not advancing lock yourself up in your house, you know, get yourself a little island somewhere and just kind of try to block it all out. Obviously, we live in community. We function in society. We are social beings. We're going to to deal with other human beings. And sometimes the human beings we deal with may not share our values and our beliefs. And we have to learn how to deal with this and how to also cope with it. And also we have to learn how to to filter it. You know, there are a lot of things in this culture, you know, if I, that are, are very horrible to look at, you know, but I don't walk around with my my hands over my eyes. I have to learn how to discipline my mind, how to discipline my senses, and how to respond to these various stimuli. So that, uh, but that again, that's a learned habit. It's a learned discipline. And this is what we have to help our young people embrace. But also means as adults, we have to embrace it. And and that's the real challenge. That's why, Tad, I said earlier, it's both sides of the coin. You have one side that needs help, and needs guidance, and we need to reteach the narrative. And then we have a side where the narrative is believed, but we have to support, we have to encourage. So this is what I'm hopeful uh, in this column, you know, that it just putting aside all of the, the grotesque language and the sense of exposure of what is happening, very important. And I would say to our, uh, you know, to our parents, you know, if you are already thinking of a, of a summer camp, be on guard. Be aware of what's going to be there. Where are you sending your child? You know, who's going to influence your child? What's going to be discussed there? You might be surprised, you know, about what's happening there, and they don't want you to know about. But again, I'm not not trying to promote paranoia, you know, anything of that nature. But again, to be diligent, to be aware, to find out that information. We want our kids, I mean, to enjoy being children, to enjoy their innocence, enjoy what it means to be innocent. And 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 that's why sometimes even in our podcast, in my writing, uh, it's always a little uh, unnerving because, you know, uh, someone could be listening to this podcast by driving home from school. And if I have start talking about some of the language in this column, it could be very, very intrusive and, and, and very disrespectful. And I could be using a term that the kid has never heard before. And now all of a sudden they've heard it. So my mom and dad are thrown into something that it's, so it's unfair. So I think it's very important that we, we realize parents are the educators here. And so we need to help them. And we need to be on guard. I know I am. I try so hard. Uh, some, sometimes I, I feel bad when I have to put it down in writing or when we talk about it. But that's why we put those disclaimers out there. Today we're going to talk about something, whatever. So uh, today we, we guarded our conversation so as not to get into this too much. But I encourage our listeners to, to read the article. Click on the links. Uh, I'll warn you again, but it will help you to see why this bill, soon to be law in Florida, needs to be duplicated and why we should be concerned. Mm-hmm. Right on, Father. Also, um, wanted to get on one last thing, like we always do, try to touch on the spiritual angle at the end. Um, and you mentioned the you know camps in particular, but also anything that's going on in schools, uh, just because one... One of the I mentioned the camps in particular because one of the ones you mentioned. We know, Father, that all of this stuff is ultimately demonic. It's ultimately satanic, and in some cases, it's ex- it's explicit because one of the camps you mentioned in the article was led by a self-proclaimed witch. So, um, if parents, you know, have that in mind, right? This is not 
light fare. We've it's you have to be spiritually armed uh, in a way that maybe none of us is really uh, not. We're not so well accustomed to that kind of level of right. constant combat. Um, we should be maybe at this point, but mm. we're really not. So, um, what can we do in terms of fasting, prayer? You know, sacraments, etc. Sure. Well, you you've hit all of them on the right notes. I really think really turn to our Lord Jesus. Lord says, "Be vigilant, be on guard." And you know, and, and Saint Peter himself says this. You know, the devil is like a roaring lion looking for a soul to devour. So we all know that this is we're in a spiritual battle. And if we don't know that, we really need to wake up to that reality. And and with that, because the evil one, who is a creature, you know, cannot directly assault God. We know this from sacred scripture. Our Lord himself, Lord Jesus, was tempted, you know, after coming out of the desert. We know he was tempted in the garden. Our Lord speaks of this so often, but he gives us the remedy. He actually gives us the elixir to rem- to make the, the, for the remedy of the situation, and that is to follow him, to, to be on guard, to be vigilant, to stay on the narrow path. And he teaches us how to pray. He teaches us how to practice those virtues and to exercise those virtues. And, you know, he even reminds us by even lovingly correcting, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes of his own day, you know, some of them who had lost their way and, and many others. You know, what he said to the woman at the well, to the, to the man at the lake of Genesaret and the families and so many was always a corrective love, a love trying to pull people back and to be on guard. And and that's the first stage, is to be aware that there is indeed a spiritual battle. And that there is within myself, because of my, of, of my woundedness, you know, because of the original fall, that my, my I can so can be tempted and am tempted. But it takes discipline in Christ to denounce those temptations and to stay on that narrow path. Which means, as you said, it's not just me thinking about it. Yes, I need to be mindful. But it's really acting on that, saying, no, I'm not doing this. And that takes great courage to move forward. And a lot of times you hear people say, yeah, but you're a priest. You're supposed to do that. Well, yes, but we're all disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, and all of us are supposed to be doing this. So it's not just kind of this exclusive little club here. You know, It's for all of us, which means as parents, it's your duty and obligation to guide those under your charge as it would be for me if I were a parish priest. It's my responsibility to be on guard for the people God has entrusted to my care in that, in that moment. How do I help? How do I guide? So it really is about being vigilant, Ted, being on guard. And, and I would say that, you know, it, it has to be daily. It has to be hourly. It has to be something that we are aware. And, and, and it's interesting, you know, many people, you know, and I think it's a good thing, try to put safeguards on, on, on technology in their home. I think that's a very good, you're trying, you're trying to do something to prevent a child or a young adult from having access to or even having a visual, a visual of. That's a good step. But there's so many other things too, you know, language. Go back to the Italian couple. How does the husband treat his wife? How does the wife treat the husband in the home? What's the tone? What's the language? How is a child treated? How are they disciplined? You know, all these things speak, you know, to a virtue and a habit that has been built in us that now becomes virtuous. And because we can have bad habits too, all right, which could become, they're not virtuous, but they become acted upon as if they were something virtuous. No, we have to be virtuous in our, in our intent, virtuous in our desire, and act in virtue 
and always building that muscle every day. So this requires the other element to be people of prayer. We have to pray and we have to find time for individual prayer and within family life, family prayer. Not just at a meal, very important, not just the daily rosary, very important, but other ways of God in the family. Maybe time to pray with sacred scripture. You mentioned maybe as a family, could we fast from a particular thing that we all enjoy on a particular day, maybe for sick family members, maybe for someone in the parish that we heard or someone in the community we heard that was in need. There's so many ways to to spark the mind of our young ones and our young adults and our families that we are a people of God and that we are a people on a journey toward God and that we have an enemy that Scripture talks about and Jesus himself battled with and reminds us of so often is like a lion looking for an opportunity. So which means I have to be on that guard. And the way to fortify that, to St. Paul says, put on the armor of Christ. You know, wrap yourself in that armor. And, you know, and I'll put this little image in, uh, for us. And I, I like to pray with this image, and uh, especially after I feel embattled. You know, uh, so at nighttime when I do my evening prayer and uh, nightly, uh, nightly compline and just time and reflection, you know, it's like taking the armor off. You know, and, and you get your hammer out and you knock all the dents out and, you know, you kind of get the, the welding torch out and you patch the holes, you know, from the battle and you hang it on a hook and then you have a night's rest and you get up the next day and you put the armor back on and you go back into that battle. And that day maybe won't be so bad. Maybe there'll be not as few dents, not as few little chinks in the armor, but nonetheless, it is. And, 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 and to be at peace with that, you know, but also to be able to say, devil, you have no power. So this is something why, you know, it's good for families, you know, to pray together, to sacrifice together, to, to offer charity together, which I think would be my last point to make, Tad. Would, you know, it, not, not just in the season of Lent as Catholics, but outside of the season, throughout the year, could we do something as a family? I really admire when families at Christmas time and during, during Lent, especially as Catholics, where they may go to a food bank. They may volunteer at a, at a food kitchen. They may volunteer at some, some charity. I think that's beautiful. It's teaching a value to our children. It's teaching a value, and we're contributing to something good. But it shouldn't just be seasonal. If we live it throughout the year in some way, it's, again, promoting virtue, promoting value. And what we're hopeful is as our young people then encounter those temptations, they have the wisdom, they have the knowledge, and now they have the experience and they have the witness of others around them that this is something I can say no to. I don't have to give in to, you know, or I'm not weak as much as I think I am. I can say no. And this is something that we, this is what the culture is, our culture of death tries to say we can't do. Can't help yourself. God would want you to be happy. Do whatever you want. You know, that is all false. God does want me to be happy, yes. God does want me to know love and joy and peace, absolutely. God does want me to experience the wonders of life, but in a proper manner, in a proper way that reflects the nature of my dignity. And, and that's something, again, we gotta talk about more of, we have to educate more, and we have to help people to live. So it's a, all starts with this build in Florida. It's a great conversation. Yeah, absolutely, Father. Thank you very much. And I'll just make one last note uh, before we sign off here tomorrow. On the day of filming, tomorrow is the Feast of St. Joseph. So 
as someone who you know the guardian of virgins is is is, is maybe the best one if if people are looking for something very concrete other than a daily rosary like you said or something uh someone to pray to i think it would be him i know he helps me a lot so good praise god that's right (laughs) all right well thank you very much uh everyone for tuning in to the culture of life podcast from human life international um please uh be sure to Follow us on all of our platforms, on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And uh, keep on living the culture of life. God bless.